Hello and welcome back to another episode of Everything Athletes. This is your host, Kim Carducci, former Division I swimmer and existential thinker. Everything Athletes is a podcast that dives into the tougher moments on an athlete's journey, those moments being defeat, injury, and retirement. I target these moments because for me personally, and I know for many athletes, they're the tougher moments we'll face on our journey and in our careers. We don't typically need extra TLC when we're standing atop the podium. When we win the gold medal, we don't need to work through our feelings and emotions. It's really the times when we're stuck in the mud and we just lost the championship or we're transitioning into retirement or we just find out we're benched for the season because of an injury. Those are really the moments that I like to sink my teeth into because I know how hard and frustrating and debilitating they can feel. So I wanted to take this episode and talk about my philosophy and my approach in managing our minds, especially when it comes to mental health for athletes uh, as we're in these moments, because it's something that I think most athletes would agree is pretty much ignored when it comes to the world of sports. And I just think managing your mind and digging into the health of your mind is so important and so neglected for athletes, which is is kind of why I'm doing the, the work I'm doing in the first place. It's why I have this podcast. It's why I'm writing a book and I have my website and I have an online course and I offer coaching services is because mental health and managing your mind and digging into your thoughts and digging into your feelings all these things that are seen as vulnerabilities and weaknesses for athletes, right? We don't pay attention to those. We don't devote resources and time and energy and effort to our mind the way we do our physical bodies. And it's it's really a shame in the most complex world that we're living in today, the most complex and elevated and elite sports environment that we have ever experienced in modern history, in all of history, what we're living in right now. Like there is so much prize money, there are sponsorships and contracts and the the pressure from the media and society to be the athlete, to be the winner. It's just it is so complex and heavy, more so than it ever has been, and it just it's it's not an option anymore to ignore the health of our mind. It's not an option to just say, suck it up, rub some dirt in it, tough it out. It's it's just not it's not an it's not a viable option anymore. It's not a viable way to think. So that's why I'm digging into why as an athlete we have certain attachments about our identity, we have certain behaviors, we have certain perspectives and habits that we form because because we are an athlete. So I dig into why everything is about, you know, why and understanding and uncovering that understanding to grow our awareness, because once we do that and we do grow our awareness and we're able to have a position on why things are happening and why we say things or do things, we can then have the stable ground we need to make healthier decisions moving forward. And the work that I'm doing, I also want to set the expectation. This is for when times are tough. It's not for when you're atop the podium. It's not for when you already won. It's not for when training's going well and you have a healthy, healed body. The, The work that I'm doing, it's for times when your thoughts need that extra cushion. They need that extra pull through the mud. Right, if you're taking an off-roading car through the back forest and it's muddy and 
the cars just splashing through the, the hills and valleys and puddles and things are good, right? Like everything's fine. You don't need extra help. You don't need someone to push the car. But it's only until the car gets stuck in the mud that you actually need to put the chains around the tires and pull it through. You need that extra resource. You need that extra help. You need that extra effort. And so I just want to say the work that I'm doing, I'll call it thought work, it's not always necessary. Part of being a successful athlete is entering competition with an unrealistic mindset, (laughs) right? If you are entering a race with 200 other athletes, you don't go into that race saying, hmm, I'm one of 200 people. So my odds of winning are one in 200. And that really doesn't show good odds in my favor. So I'm probably not going to win. But oh, well, let's go have fun anyway. Like, right, that's not, <laughs> that's not what any athlete ever thinks. We always go into every competition, usually unless you're caught on a bad day and in a bad mood. But usually you go into every competition or game or match with the blind ambition and the belief against all odds that you can win. And part of that is necessary. You need to have, you need to kind of play those mind games with yourself that despite reality, you can still win. That's part of giving yourself the best chance when you enter competition. Uh, But in the off-roading car example, right? Like an off-road car doesn't need help until it gets stuck in the mud. And that is where I do my work. So I just wanted to set the expectation. Some of the things that I might say may not apply when things are good like being realistic. (laughs) So just setting the expectation there. But the two layers of my philosophy are one, to root yourself in reality and root yourself in what is true. And then the second layer, which I'll dive deeper into, is to manage your thoughts using a thought model developed by Brooke Castillo. And she's the CEO and founder of the Life Coach School. So I'll talk about that as well. So It's really calibrating your mind, rooting yourself in reality, looking at what's true. And then once you're able to calibrate with what's actually happening, you can then walk yourself through these steps of your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, and then ultimately the results in your life. So the first one, root yourself in reality. Uh, This is so hard for everyone, not just athletes, but you can't even begin to do the thought work unless you're rooted in reality. It would be kind of like being in a pool and thrashing your arms around, trying to get to the side, trying to get to the pool deck when actually you can just put your feet down and it's shallow and you can stand. So if you're not even rooted in reality, if you can't even put your feet on the ground to what's actually true, you're never going to make progress in the way that you want. You can't work with an alternate universe. You can't work with the story in your mind. What you can work with is what's actually true. What has actually happened. Actually look at, I'm going to say the word actually a lot. Actually look at the evidence, the facts, the behaviors, the events, the race times, what actually happened, what is reality. Once you can actually do that, sorry, (laughs) actually, 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 once you can actually look at what happened and what's true, Only then can you begin to dive deep. Um, And this is really hard for people and humans in general because our minds love to attach ourselves to stories to make sense of our surroundings, to make sense of 
what's going on. Brene Brown, she's the renowned researcher and author. She has her famous TED Talk. She talks about vulnerability. She has her amazing book, Daring Greatly, among other books. She's the shame researcher. I think we all know in pop culture, Brene Brown, but she explains why we love to latch onto the story we create in our own minds about the circumstances we're in because her quote is, our brain is wired above all else for survival. So the minute we have a threat, whether it's an anxiety, fear, shame, whatever that threat is, our brain says, give me a story. Our brain recognizes the pattern of a narrative, beginning, middle, and end. Give me a story that tells me who's safe, who's good, who's bad, who's dangerous, right? So our brains love to latch on to stories. We love to categorize and make sense of the things that are happening. And in doing that, we often latch on to false beliefs or we latch on to false events or we create meaning behind things that meaning is not even existing. It's not even there. And that creates tension, that creates suffering for us. It creates a lot of, honestly, a lot of rumination about things that are not even true. So part of doing the work in managing your mind is to first root yourself in what's actually reality. And rooting yourself in reality is hard because have you ever heard the phrase, the truth hurts, right? The truth hurts sometimes. Sometimes we don't want to actually face the facts because they point out insecurities about us. They point out shortcomings. They point out we have this biased view of this lens and how we view our lives because we're the main character. We think we're good, right? Like we don't, our default thinking doesn't automatically go to, oh yeah, that was my fault or, oh, I made those mistakes. If you do, that's healthy. If you can take responsibility automatically and see objectively that you made errors, that's great. It's not very natural for Americans and for people in our modern society to automatically take responsibility for their actions. We often like to place blame on other people because it's uncomfortable and it hurts to think we could be the bad guy. Rooting yourself in reality, it feels unnatural. It's not very comfortable. It's hard to do. It's hard to look objectively at what's going on and see where maybe you participated in the negative outcome. And a good way to root yourself in reality is to write down the actual events that you can see, hear, feel, touch, and taste. Maybe taste is a weird one, but actually look at behaviors and not thoughts. It's, it's kind of the opposite of what we're doing in the next step. First, you look at the behaviors, not the thoughts. Then in the second step where we look at the thought model, we look at the thoughts, not the behaviors. So... First, you have to look at the behaviors to calibrate yourself with what's actually true. What was actually said? What were the actual words? And part of this with our selective memory is we might gloss over or forget or have selective memory or or repress certain moments because we don't want to think about them. But we have to take the whole picture objectively and just just try it. Simply write down what actually happened. What were the words that were said? What were the behaviors that were done? What, you know, who were the actual people involved? Strip away any thoughts you have about it, any story you have about it, any meaning, 
and just pretend like you're an alien, <laughs> you're an alien from space looking down on the situation and just write what you actually see, what actually happened. It's a good way to try and root yourself in reality. A Byron Katie quote, when you argue with reality, you suffer 100% of the time. And if you haven't listened to the episode previous to this one where I review Katie Hoff's book, Blueprint, I talk about this as well in part of her thought assessment that I conducted where she can actually root herself in reality because she's stuck in this expectation of herself from 2008. But that's another episode if you want to look at that. Okay, so the first step, after we've rooted ourselves in reality, we looked at what actually happened. Then we can look at the thought model. So Brooke Castillo, she's the founder of the Life Coach School. She basically has an entire organization where she teaches life coaches to be life coaches. And she gives them frameworks and tools and strategies to then help their clients. She has a model that I absolutely love. And it's so simple yet so effective. And sometimes the most complex problems need the most simplest of solutions to have the most effective results, especially when it comes to our brains, which are the most complex organs in our bodies. Sometimes it's just a simple thought model or a simple shift in perspective or a simple XYZ that can actually yield the greatest results. And one other thing I'll say about this work and this thought model, it's not some abstract concept that's just lofty and in outer space. You can actually do this on a worksheet. Just as you learn the Pythagorean theorem in school, just as you learn chemistry principles and how to balance a chemistry equation, just as you learn about photosynthesis in Bio 101, your sophomore year of high school, you can learn and do the thought model. You could walk up to a whiteboard right now and do this thought model. It's not some intangible theory. It's actually steps you can write down and do with yourself literally right now. So her thought model, it's five steps and the acronym goes C-T-F-A-R. And it stands for circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. So the first step, it's, it's writing down the circumstance that you're in. And the key thing about this is it's neutral. Your circumstance is neutral. Only until you think certain thoughts about your circumstance Does it inspire feelings about that circumstance? Okay, so now that we know the five steps, circumstance, thought, feeling, action, and result, once we have written down each of those steps on what's going on in our life, circumstance, I'm injured, thought, this sucks, feeling depressed, action, laying in bed, result, not healing, (laughs) super fast example, hypothetical example. Once we have actually deconstructed that, To actually create effective change, we reverse engineer our thoughts and feelings, starting with our feelings. So in this particular example, the feeling is I'm depressed because the thought is this sucks and the circumstances I'm injured. So if our feeling is I'm depressed, how do we want to feel about being injured? If we want to feel depressed, fine, be it, wrap it up, delete this episode, hang up everything, goodbye, don't do this work. If you want to feel depressed and you want to feel sad and you want to feel sorry for yourself, allow space for you to grieve and acknowledge the pain that you're in. We will talk about the power of acknowledging your pain in a future episode because that's huge. But assuming that you've felt the guttural pain of your situation, now we're at a stable ground where we can actually dissect and deconstruct. So, okay, the feeling I'm depressed. How do I want to feel about being injured? Do I want to feel calm? 
do I want to feel peace? Uh, do I want to feel acceptance about what's going on? How do I want to feel about this circumstance I'm in, which the circumstance is neutral, remember? How do I want to feel about this? Let's say I want to feel acceptance about it. I can't change it. It is what it is. I don't want to feel depressed about it anymore. I just want to feel acceptance. Okay, if that's the feeling that I want to feel, what is the thought I need to think in my mind to create that feeling? So the thought now is, oh, this sucks. Okay, well, let's change that thought to this was something out of my control and I won't be injured forever. How about that? This is this was something out of my control. I couldn't control that the forward on the other team ran straight smack into me and ripped apart my knee. <laughs> Whatever the, the situation was, the thought that we can think in our mind is, okay, this was something out of my control. I'm letting go of any control that I feel like I could have had in this situation. It was out of my control. And yes, I'm injured right now, but I can do the healing. I can go to physical therapy. I can do all the things that I can do. And this injury is only temporary. One day I will have a healed body again. Okay, if that's the thought that I think in my head, my feeling is acceptance. Okay, I'm accepting what it is for what it is. And I don't feel so depressed about the situation anymore. It sounds super simplistic, but again, your brain is so incredibly powerful and just simply changing your thought if you've never actually tried it can really elicit different feelings in your body. Once we've created that new feeling, okay, uh, instead of this sucks and I'm depressed, this was out of my control and my injury is only temporary, I feel acceptance about this, then the actions and results will also reflect those new thoughts and feelings. So the action before might have been, okay, laying in my bed all day because I'm depressed about this injury. Now the action is I go to physical therapy two times a week and maybe I schedule a third session a week because I want to get better. And then based on the new actions, the result is you probably heal your body. Let's say hypothetically and in all good things considered, you heal your body faster or your body heals stronger. Your body heals better. You're not creating additional stress about the situation. So stress, if you, oh, we're going to talk about stress in an episode. If you, if you're eliminating stress about healing during an injury, your body will, I guarantee your body will heal faster, stronger, better. Did you know that for the normal population between 60 to 80% of primary care doctor visits are due to a stress related component? (laughs) Stress is the cause for so many bad things. So if you can just eliminate stress in your life, gosh, you're going to be living great. But honestly, if you if your actions are doing things to help your body heal and, you know, hopefully feel less stress about the situation, I guarantee your body will heal healthier, stronger, better. And so the result is a healthier, healed body, probably sooner. Whereas the result in the original scenario was takes longer to heal. You know, you're laying in bed all day, so you're not doing the things that you should be doing to heal. And then your mind, you have an unhappy mind. And then the result is just an unhappy life where you're not making progress to being healed. And then the result in our proposed scenario is we reach a healed body probably sooner. We probably heal stronger and we're able to get back out there and play. If you've ever heard the old adage, the glass is half full or glass half empty, it's basically... That is basically the metaphor for this thought model. If you have a glass that is half filled with water, it's the same liquid for two people that are looking at it. It's the same liquid in that glass. One person might say, oh, the glass is half full. The second person will say, oh, the glass is half empty. 
It's the same neutral circumstance of the glass being half filled with water. It just depends on how the person views and thinks about that glass that then inspires how they feel about their life. So why is this important for athletes? So Dr. Jim Taylor, he has a PhD in psychology. He's internationally recognized on psychology of performance and sport and actually parenting as well. He has a quote that says, emotions are as much as part of the competitive sports experience as physical conditioning, equipment, technique, strategy, and teamwork. It could be argued that emotions are the reason de trait of sports competition. And sorry, I probably butchered that phrase. I don't know what language that is, but he, he says it could be argued that emotions are the reason of sports competition. And then the next quote I'll read from him, the range of events and emotions that are experienced through athletic involvement seem to be both numerous and extreme compared to the normal population. When it comes to the athlete mind, honestly, it's like getting your car's oil changed. Right, the rule of thumb to get your oil changed is to get it changed once a year or about every five to 7,000 miles. So if in a 12 month period, you should get your car's oil changed once, or if you hit 5,000 miles, you get it changed. Let's say you hit the 5,000 mile mark in the first month of getting your oil changed. So would you not go and get your oil changed then? Like, would you wait 11 more months to get your oil changed if you need to get it changed now? So athletes live in this world where so much mental and emotional ground is covered in short periods of time compared to your average Joe. So it requires more time and attention and I guess quote unquote visits to the service center to keep your car running properly and remain mentally and emotionally tolerant and healthy. And just to really reinforce this perspective that athletes have where we run away from being vulnerable. We don't do the work to heal. We don't do the work to navigate the tough moments. We don't dig into doing what's healthy for our minds, which causes so many athletes to struggle. I mean, just in the past few years, think of people like Alexi Papas, who came out with her documentary, or Kevin Love. You know, we're never told to be weak. We should always be formidable and invincible and strong and this robot-like athlete with limitless strength. So digging into parts of our minds and parts of our journey that are tougher, that are more of a struggle, it's not welcomed and not doing that, not paying attention to that, not diving in and healing and doing this work, it creates more problems down the road. It's so clear that so many athletes over the past few years are coming forward and have come forward about struggles that they have with mental health and with the tough moments and and trying to dig themselves out of moments that feel really hard when maybe they feel like no one relates to them or no one has tools and strategies and they don't feel equipped to navigate these on their own. So that's part of the reason why I'm even doing this podcast and thinking about this work anyway is to help athletes who shy away from thought work or mind work or mental health to normalize these conversations and ultimately to live their athlete or non-athlete life with clarity and light and ease when it comes to their mind. We can all get there and we can all do that. We can all have the ability to manage our minds in a healthy way. And so that's what I'm here to do. That's what I'm here to help. And I truly don't believe anyone else is talking about the daily tribulations of an athlete's life the way I am. You know, if you go to sports psychologists or you read the articles online, 
the level of help and resources is super shallow. It's like, if you're feeling depressed as an athlete, make sure you're sleeping eight hours and eating nutritious food. And it's like, okay, great, thanks, I'm cured, <laughs> right? Like, if you even Google sports psychology, this stuff about mental health doesn't even come up that often. It's more like performance anxiety or how do I get my 14-year-old my gymnast to not be scared of the balance beam? And what are some tactical strategies I can use when I'm in a tennis match? And it's, you know, sports psychology is so broad. No one's talking about these daily tribulations of defeat, injury, and retirement the way I'm talking about them and the way I'm normalizing them and the way I'm breaking them down and really digging through what actually works to heal in these moments. So that's why this is so important for athletes. I know I'm biased because this is my podcast, but I think it's so critical and helpful and important for athletes to be able to look at these situations that happen to every athlete. Every athlete goes through defeat, even Michael Jordan. (laughs) Every athlete goes through retirement. It's just a fact of life. Not every athlete goes through injury, which that's a blessing. Thank God that some people don't, but injury is common enough that it's a worthy topic to talk about. Before I actually dive into more of the thought model and what thought work actually is, I just want to highlight that if you don't already know this yourself, your brain is so incredibly powerful. The thoughts inside your brain are so incredibly powerful. The thoughts that you think have the ability to materialize into the very life you lead. The daily choices you make, who you spend your time with, where you live, what you do for a living, everything is generated from thoughts. You know, practices like manifestation, where you bring something tangible into your life through attraction and belief, universal laws, such as the law of attraction, which is the belief that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into a person's life. Like those are living proof that thoughts take shape and come to life through actions and events. Uh, Even think of the placebo effect, right? The idea that your brain can convince your body of fake treatment is the real thing. Like that's actually real. The placebo effect has actual proven results to reduce symptoms of severe illnesses such as cancer. It's remarkable yet so simple that to think a thought and believe in the integrity of that thought with your whole being creates real effects in your life, both positive and negative. So with this incredible amount of power that thought has in your mind, like wouldn't you want to better manage and work with your mind in a way that serves you in the healthiest way possible? Why, like, why would you not want to learn and dive into your mind's operation to understand and build your thought connection to then optimize those thoughts, which then optimize your life? Like, you know the power that this organ has in your body. You, you can see how the thoughts in your head materialize and take shape into the life that you live every single day. So why would you not want to step up to the plate and learn how to do it best? When I say thought work, thought work is creating feelings we desire by being deliberate with the thoughts we choose to think. And I'll say that again. Thought work is creating feelings we desire by being deliberate with the thoughts we choose to think. And yes, you do have the ability to choose the thoughts that you think in your head. Right now I could say, I like the color purple, or I could say, oh, I don't like the color purple. That's a thought that I just created in my head. And when athletes are faced with these really tough moments of defeat, injury, and retirement, 
I like to imagine these difficult periods as journeys through an overgrown jungle. To reach peace and make it to the other side of the jungle, you know, the other side of the struggle, we're trying to make it to the beach, but we're stuck here in the middle of this overgrown forest. It's like, how in the world am I going to make it through this hard period? How in the world am I going to make it through this jungle to get to the beach? And there, there are many ways to go about navigating to the beach. You can move slowly by picking apart every branch meticulously with your hands and trek little by little. Sure, that works, but it takes forever. (laughs) You can force yourself through. You know, you'll certainly get cut by the thorns and your journey will likely be made up of spurts of progress followed by periods of blood, pain, and rest. Uh, You could just sit still. You could feel so overwhelmed by the amount of work required to reach the beach and allow the jungle to swallow you whole. And all of these, as you're facing defeat and injury in retirement, all of these are options, although none of them sound too effective, right? So when it comes to thought work, I imagine thought work as the bushwhacking sword that just fell from the sky and landed at your feet. And a bushwhacking sword, if you don't know what it is, it's just a super sharp but light to carry sword that you can use to cut through vines and jungles. So with this sword, now you're able to swiftly cut the branches, cut the vines, cut the weeds, and more easily clear a path to the beach, right? The sword is now your tool that helps guide you on your journey. And that's, I think of thought work as that sword. So the thought work is the tool that allows us to significantly increase ease of navigating our own journeys of pain and struggle. Thought work is, it's engaging with our minds deliberately in a conscious, reflective manner with the intention to increase awareness, uh, create clarity and reach resolutions. When we're able to engage with the thoughts, ideas, opinions, stories, and honestly, dramatizations that our minds generate, we're, we're able to better manage not just the thoughts in our head, but the feelings that they inspire. And that's thought work. That's part of the work. And what I'll say about thought work too, and in doing this work, I want to clarify that thought work, it's not a replacement to feeling. Thought work, it's not a practice to avoid experiencing negative emotions. And if you do come across advice out there or self-help guidelines out there that promise a quick fix, I would be very wary because that's pretty dangerous advice. No human being can think their way through periods of struggle without feeling the struggle itself. Like it's just not possible as humans, we're creatures with feelings and emotions and we have consciences and we have to face the undeniable truth that no matter what the thoughts are in our head, we will sometimes feel the emotions that humans feel. Sadness, joy, anger, excitement, frustration, happiness, confusion. Like there are unlimited emotions that we feel even our modern vocabulary sometimes can't cover what we're feeling. You know, we're human. That's what we do. We feel and we think and we can't avoid either of those. But with thought work, though, we're able to better manage those thoughts and feelings when they come up, especially when we're struggling. It's the opposite of sucking it up. It's the opposite of toughing it out. It isn't just holding your breath and waiting for things to get better. Thought work requires your active participation to engage with your own mind to create effective change. 
So even though making it through the jungle to get to the beach is still tough, it's still hard, you still have to feel the journey. We can use thought work though as our heaven sent sword to make that journey so much easier. And mastering thought work, athlete or not, it's just part of growing your overall emotional intelligence, right? And emotional intelligence, it's defined as the ability to identify, understand, and use your emotions in positive ways to relieve stress and anxiety, communicate effectively, empathize with others, overcome challenges, and diffuse conflict. And I don't know about you, but being able to live life in that way with high emotional intelligence and able to manage stress and anxiety and do all those things, that sounds pretty nice to me. (laughs) We can't stop the inevitable challenges that we're going to face in our athlete life. We can't stop the fact that we're going to sometimes lose. We can't stop the fact that we are a fallible human body and we may sprain our ankle sometimes. We can't stop the fact that one day we will eventually have to put our tennis racket in the garage for good and we will never play it anymore. Although tennis is one of those sports that you can play forever. And I will say about injury, (laughs) so I was a swimmer for almost 15 years. I started when I was five. I, I retired in college. I never once was injured when I was swimming. Never once. I never had a blown out shoulder. I never had a torn ACL. I never had an injury related to swimming. I had a cast one time, I think when I was nine, because I was jumping on my friend's trampoline and sprained a ligament in my wrist. (laughs) But I never once had a swimming related injury. I mean, if you think about it, it's a low impact sport. It's really just you in the water. I think the only times people really got hurt at practice was when they ran into each other and their goggles gave them a black eye because they smacked their heads into each other or they hit the lane rope. It was always something related to the equipment, but never the actual sport. Whereas I started playing tennis almost three years ago and I've already had to have one surgery and I'm currently dealing with a strained muscle in my arm right now. Like tennis, tennis is so hard on your body in my opinion, but I guess it is one of those sports that you do see, you know, an an 80 year old or a 90 year old still playing. Nevertheless, one day we do retire from our elite competition days and we can't avoid that. But what we can do when we come across these difficult periods in our time on earth, we can develop incredibly strong practices that help us adapt. I mean, imagine living your life with a managed mind in such a way that the most disastrous, heart-wrenching, infuriating events could happen in your life, but you've developed such a strong self-coaching process, you've developed such a strong habit on doing the thought work, you've developed such strong strategies and tools that you know in your soul you can navigate your way through it. Like, you know as soon as it happens, you're going to see the other side. Like imagine what it would feel like to live your life that way with that level of confidence in handling pain. Like that sounds amazing to me. (laughs) And two, the only relationship you're guaranteed to have for the rest of your life is the relationship with yourself, right? Friends will come and go, family members, they'll die one day. I hate to be morbid. Coworkers will come and go, but the only constant you can bet a million dollars on, a billion dollars on Jeff Bezos money is that you will always be with you yourself for the rest of your life. So why, like, why would you not want to harness the complex power your mind has? Why would you not want to do everything possible to live the most healthy, energized and optimal way? Like, especially as athletes where you've done just about everything to optimize your physical body 
Like, why would you not want to dive deep into the untapped side of life of optimizing your mental body? It only makes sense. (laughs) So that's it for today. I really just wanted to lay the groundwork for the framework and philosophy that I use in my approach to navigating through these tough moments. Everything I talk about, it's all related to either defeat, injury, or retirement, with the core being our athlete identity. I don't talk about performance strategy. I don't talk about performance anxiety. I don't talk about anything else related to athletes or sports psychology than how the heck to get through the toughest moments of defeat, injury, and retirement. My approach is twofold. The first layer is to root yourself in reality and objectively look at what actually happened. And the second layer is to dissect and deconstruct your situation using Brooke Castillo's thought model, which the five steps are circumstance, thought, feeling, action, and results. So in explaining this, it sounds super simplistic. I get it. You're probably doing an eye roll. I get it. But do not underestimate the power of your thoughts. Do not underestimate the power of your brain. And truly just explaining it here, it is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just giving you the rules and giving you the guidelines and giving you the framework of actually doing the work. It's up to you to actually sit down with the CTFAR model and write down what is actually the circumstance in your life. What is your thought about it? What is your feeling about it? What is your action? And then what is the result that's happening in your life? And sometimes, you know, our minds love to protect us from things that can hurt us, our ego, acts out of fear and wants to avoid things that can harm us or hurt our feelings or anything at all costs. So sometimes when we do this work ourselves, we don't latch on to the right circumstance or we can't uncover the, the appropriate and core thought. We might think we're thinking with the right thought, but it might not be the core thought that's actually the root of the cause. And that's where hiring a coach actually comes into play. A coach can actually dig into what's actually happening in your mind, what the thought should be if you're not thinking the right one and get down to the meat and potatoes of where the work can actually begin. So that is to say, I know it sounds simple as I'm explaining it here, but this is just the tip of of the iceberg. I'm giving you the tools to take this, get out a sheet of paper, start with it yourself, go through the model. Um, I'll include links in the show notes to Brooke Castillo and the thought model, but I just wanted to take an episode to explain my philosophy and my approach. And in future episodes, we'll dive into particular moments in your athlete journey and apply this thought work to those moments to uncover the best way to navigate through them. So thank you for listening to another episode of Everything Athletes. Again, I'm your host, Kim Carducci, and we will see you next time. Hey, are you enjoying our podcast, Everything Athletes? If you are, I would love if you rate our show five stars on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. If you're an athlete and want to submit topics for us to discuss on our podcast, shoot us an email, contact at everythingathletes.com. Until next time.